This podcast is brought to you by StoryKingBooks.com. Sign up to receive a free copy of my latest ebook novella, Kane's Confession. If you would like to learn how to support this show, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the Story King. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is business, relationship, and mindset coach, not to mention Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, Tommy Breedlove. Tommy Breedlove is a regular featured keynote speaker at global events. He started his 20-year corporate career at one of the largest financial consulting firms in the world. And then right at the top of his career, Tommy experienced a transformational moment that inspired him to walk away from the corporate world and to change his life and follow his true calling. So we're going to get right into it. Here is my conversation with Tommy Breedlove. Tommy Breedlove, welcome to the Story King podcast. Giancarlo, it is my honor, and I am humbled to be here, my brother from New York. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you've been, uh, you've kind of been all over the place. You've been on a bunch of shows, but for those not familiar with you and your work, why don't you kind of tell us your story in a nutshell? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start at the beginning with my story. Um, grew up in South Atlanta. For those of you who've been stuck in the airport uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia, I grew up very close to there. Good blue collar, hardworking part of the world and um, was scheduled to be the first person in my co- uh, my uh, family to go to college and, and hopefully graduate. Nice. Unfortunately, I grew up in around um, a lot of abuse and violence. And instead of going to college on a full ride, I uh, became what I hated and committed a violent crime. And so I was looking at seven years in prison at the age of 18 years old, which is just not a good thing. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, I was responsible for my actions. Hmm. Luckily, it was a first offense. They dropped it down to heavy misdemeanors, still sentenced to two years and spent my 19th birthday incarcerated. Wow. Um, All of this is relevant. I'll tell you why. It all all (laughs) will make sense in a moment. You're like, where is this dude going? Give me give me two more minutes. You'll understand. You got me locked in, Tommy. So (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they're like, man, where is this journey going to take us? It just Um, got good. (laughs) (laughs) So really cool thing happened to me um, in 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 jail. And that is a African-American gentleman crossed racial boundaries. He was in his forties. You know, I'm 18 years old, little skinny white kid. And he saw something in me that I couldn't see myself and mentored, held me accountable, but showed me what being a man was all about in all the right ways. Um, he had been in and out of the system his whole life and, and saw that what that could do to him and his children mm-hmm. and his family. And he mentored and coached me and said, young blood, he called me young blood, not Tommy. He said, you're not going to be a part of the system. And, and, you know, who is guidance? When I got out, I dusted myself off, went to work in a nuclear waste container factory during the day for six bucks an hour, community college at night, did end up back at the University of Georgia. And one of the things I'm proud of is I went from a jail cell to Deloitte, which is one of the largest public accounting and financial consulting firms in the world in three years. So really proud of that. And it was through grit, hard work, dusting myself off and, and through some love and mentorship of a great man. Here we go. So the, why did I tell you all that? So fast forward 15 years and I'm the first 
professionally successful person in my family. I've got the corner office, the shiny suit. Um, I've left Deloitte, but I've moved up through other financial consulting and public accounting firms. You know, all of the bells and whistles, car, shiny suit, corner office, you name it, man. And doing big deals and had a big title and and thought that the money, power, status, success, which a lot of us men crave, um, would would make me happy, fulfilled. But unfortunately, I never dealt with any of those insecurities, those demons, the voices in my head that uh, were were put into me as a young boy. And when the money and the power didn't fill me up, man, I turned to all the darkness. And mm-hmm. um, at 36 years old, I woke up in a ditch looking at the sky in downtown Atlanta, wondering how in the world did I get here? I didn't know where my car was. I was half dressed, probably doing some multi-million dollar auditor deal the week before. And said, I don't know who this is or what it is, but it almost cost me my firm, my life, and my wife all in, you know, you just got out of hand. And I decided at that moment that I'm going to change and really participate in my own rescue and become the man that I want to be, you know, a man with integrity, a man with heart, and really deal with some of these voices in my head that said I'm not enough. And, you know, I felt alone. It didn't matter how popular and cool I looked on the outside. And the way my insecurities were manifesting in the world was tough guy, important guy, arrogant guy, cool guy. And none of you know, arrogance is just insecurity on steroids. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I was like, none of those are me. And I'm just trying to, you know, see me, see me, see me, love me, love me, love me. And so, man, I dissed myself off. And here's where, here's where what's going on with me now. So during those three years of all that hard work, and I talk about hard work, coaches, mentors, psychologists, but also daily routines, working on my heart muscles, my mind muscles, my soul muscles, my physical muscles, you know, really getting strong and courageous in inside. In three years, I didn't lose my, my place at the firm, but my money doubled at the firm. I'm not kidding. I went from junior partner to senior partner to international practice leader to elected to the board of directors at 39. Most of the guys were in their 60s. And there's a few gals, they were up in their late 50s and 60s. My marriage became the best it ever been. My network went from people who like that type of lifestyle to people who live and love abundance and who are making impact in this world. And the most important thing that happened is the peace, the security, the courage, and confidence that were in my life. And brother, that leads me to today. All of these entrepreneurs, corporate executives, bankers, lawyers, accountants, people in my ecosystem saw this 180 degree shift in me and they're like, dude, what pill are you taking? I want some of that because I went from work and I'm not kidding. Prior, I was working 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. You know, I mean, just balls of the wall stuff. I dropped it down to 30 and my marriage increased. My leadership increased. I went from being one of the most hated people in the firm to one of the most beloved, but I also, I would just seem peaceful to them. And so, you know, after about, I don't know if I'm the dumbest person in the world or the most courageous in the world, but after three years of people reaching out to me, um, I said, you know, there's a calling in this. I wasn't in love. I mean, I spent 20 years there and I was a partner, but I wasn't in love with the financial consulting world. And so I decided to walk away and chase a dream and really help people be better leaders, make more money, but also be better husbands and wives, be better people and, and live with courage and confidence and on the, on the, the love side and that goodness side of the world. Cause I've got all the business skills. So that gives me the credibility. And since then brother, we've written a wall street journal and USA today, best-selling book called legendary. We've built a world-class coaching practice, but the thing I'm most proud of and happy about is now we've built this executive men's movement 
um, mm. where it's retreats, it's masterminds, it's conferences. We, we built that the last year and a half, and it is just growing exponentially because men want connection. We want trust. We want real conversations, and we need other men around us helping us be better. And what we're excited about is we're starting the women's movement in 2022. So super oh, excited nice. about that. But <laughs> that's my story in a nutshell, John Carlos. So help, thank you for letting me share that, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I want to unpack some of that. So now you had this moment when you realized you had enough of the corporate world. So what was that like to walk away from that, from, from that security? I mean, I know you weren't in love with it, but it's still hard to walk away from security. So talk about that for a minute. Yeah. My financial security was set for the rest of my life. I mean, it was, I had to do the bare minimum and I would have made a, a fortune doing it because I was at the top of the game. And you know, money, I'm one of those money guys. I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm from the money business. So I'm one of those guys that believe money is important. And so mm-hmm. if someone says it's not important, run from them. They're broke. That's, <laughs> that's what the TR Vecker says. So, um, you know, it was, a, it was a two or three year process. Um, it took a lot of coaching. Honestly, it took a lot of love and support from my wife and friends and network. Um, it took a lot of courage. You know, it was not graceful when I first quit because 65% of our household income walked out of the door that day. Um, I had to sell my equity. So it took me a long time to leave because um, I was an owner in the business and an okay. equity partner. But man, I went through these, these phases of thinking I'm going to live under a bridge. And this is me doing all the internal work too, man. You know, like working on my heart, working on my mind, you know, doing the daily stuff to make me strong. And still the demons and, and insecurities would kick in. You know, I was doing things like canceling cable and selling my car. And then I sold my wife's car. And she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I have a job, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know what I didn't want here's, here's some of the things that I really evaluated. If I stayed there, would I truly be happy and fulfilled? And the answer was no. Hmm. Are the, my fellow partners going in the same directions or have the same value systems I had? The answer was no. If I stayed there the rest of my life and made all the money in the world, would I look back on regrets? The hundred percent. Yes. Hmm. And, you know, I wanted to chase this dream and I wanted to get in the arena and not look back with regrets. And the fact that I had an entire ecosystem of friends, my network, my wife, great coaches. And, you know, I'm in the coaching business. I still have a coach. I run masterminds. I have, I'm in a mastermind. So I walk the walk. But also, and I had to look at my value to the firm. Like I could, I was really good at international finance, mergers and acquisitions, consulting and accounting. I was really good at it, but I didn't love it. Um, And I didn't like what the industry stood for. I don't like how it operates. And so I became, I was going to become a cancer if I stayed. Mm. And so I couldn't sell it. I couldn't market it. I didn't want to do it and I didn't recruit it. So what good am I truly to the firm making all this money and not helping them out? So it wasn't fair to them either. And so I came to all these conclusions with a great support network. And I keep saying that because it's super important. And honestly, when I first came out, I wasn't going to go in the coaching world. I wasn't going to write a book. I was going to do some other stuff because there was a lot of pivots that I've left out of the story and businesses started and failed and investments mm-hmm. made and failed. And the, the world or the universe or God, whatever you believe in, kept slapping me in the face and saying, the world of coaching and personal development and leadership and getting the best out of human beings. That's where you're supposed to be. And finally I listened. And since then we've been on a rocket ship brother for the last two and a half years. It just took me a while to, to listen and, and pick up and get over my insecurities and fears. And so that's what it was like to leave, man. But it was 
to say it was easy would be a bold-faced lie, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with every moments where you almost regretted it because it got tough and you're all like, I don't know if I did the right thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's easy for me to say don't put any weight into what other people think about you and the decisions you make. Mm -hmm. um, but overnight, I lost half of my network my professional network because they thought I was crazy. Right. Who resigns their board seat and sells their equity to go into entrepreneurship. Right. So they, they, they were in a box. And so they thought I was crazy and losing my mind. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really tough on me. You know, some of my mentors in the firm were sending me emails saying, you're stupid, you're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. I mean, literally go, going out of their way to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Going out of their way. Like, um, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if people, liked me for what my title was or what I did for a living, or they just wanted to be around me for what I could do for them. Are these the people that I really want in my life anyway? So yeah, it was tough, man. Um, and when I went through my transition, it was tough. It was tough dro dropping all those negative habits and bad attitudes and, and the things that I was doing and saying and believing that and, and people criticizing me because pain likes pain, right? They wanted me to stay in their world and not, mm -hmm. not, not evolve into something else. And so it was hard, but I'm telling you, I have been doing this work. I'm talking about all myself. So not only do I do this, I practice this. I have to walk the walk. But you would be shocked from living in gratitude, living, not living in fear, not living in worry, not really giving two flying flips what other people think of me. Because at the end of the day, people aren't really thinking of you anyway. They're thinking about themselves. Right. Um, it's been an amazing journey. I'm super grateful. But yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I had insecurities. Yeah, I had fears. Yeah, I was constantly leaning on other people and coaches and, and mentors and family members to just help lift me up when I would get down in the dark place. And I mean, even to this day, uh, we, there's times when I get a case of the efforts and FUs and I, you know, I don't want any of that, but I have to never stop believing in the work. I never have to start believing in the people we serve. I never, I, I can't stop believing in the people who work in this practice, who help, who believe in what we do so much. And so when I make it about others, and not my vanity, not my ego, not my pride or, or my insecurities, it seems to work out a whole lot better for me. So no, it wasn't easy, but it's gotten a whole lot easier. Right. Awesome. Now you call yourself a coach. Does that mean you have one-on-one -on -one time or is it more of a speaking to, uh, to crowds type of deal and running these, uh, mastermind retreats or. <laughs> I don't do much one-on-one -on -one anymore. Um, it's just, it's, it takes so much of your, now I still have 10 one-on-one -on -one clients. I mean, they're very special clients to me. And in certain situations, depending on the situation, depending on the person and depending, and I'm not a therapist, you know, I work in the business and money space, the leadership space, the mindset space, mm -hmm. and most importantly for all of us, the relationship space. Um, but I do a lot of public speaking. I've got a whole bunch of, now that we're back open again, I've got a whole bunch of public speaking gigs. And I've got a great team, right? I've got other coaches on my team who've come up through our programs. But to me, one-on-one -on -one is not scalable. You're not making great impact. And our dream is a million men's lives transformed. And then when we start the women's movement, a million women's lives transformed. Wow. And so um, for us to do that, I'm so excited. We bought a lodge to where we host our legendary life foundational retreats for the executive men. So we run these retreats. And then if we like them and they like us and they're going in the same direction we're going in, we invite them into our mastermind. Hmm. And 
not only that, we host two conferences a year related to the mastermind. So this is an entire ecosystem and systems and processes and content and working to be better leaders, to make more money, mm-hmm. to make more impact and be better men. That's where my love and bread and butter is. So that is our primary, you know, we've got the book, we've got the speaking, we've got one-on-one coaching, but the love is working with all these men in this mastermind retreat and conference format. It's just been something beautiful to watch and watch it grow and watch these men and myself because they make me better and I help them to be better. So it's just been a beautiful, beautiful 15 months of just doing this, building it and um, watching it uh, become what it is today. It sounds exciting. Let's talk about your book, Legendary. Well, what's the basic idea behind the book? Yeah, I'll start with the title, Legendary. It's a it's a bold title. And if I, Giancarlo, if I said, you know, Tommy Breedlove is legendary, you'd probably laugh me out of the room. And <laughs> so, would, so would all my family and friends. And so um, what I like about the title Legendary is an aspiration and People, our communities, our friends, our networks, and others either call us legendary or they don't. And it has nothing to do with money or fame. I know we quote, you know, we look at legends like LeBron James and Martin Luther King and, you know, that's rich and famous. And, you know, Martin Luther King changed the world. But you can be a legend within your family, within your community, within your business, within your ecosystem. And and it's given to us by other people. So that's the premise of the book. And the book was a three-year labor of love where I was in a fist fight with myself. And again, when I let go and made it about the work and made it about the message we want to give, that's why it became a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. Hmm. So let me give you the premise of the book. It's about seven pages of me. And about a hundred plus pages of it's very little about me because it wasn't about that's when it became good is when I took me out of the equation. Hmm. But stories, but more importantly, simple tools, not not philosophy, but these are actionable little bitty items that you can put place in your life to, to have the following more time, more purpose in your life, build for toward financial confidence and God willing toward financial freedom increase your friendships and network, cut out the noise in your life, start becoming the master of your mindset, start learning to how to unconditional love and respect yourself. And most importantly, how do you build intimate relationships with your significant other, your family, your children, and your friends Hmm. so that God willing, you leave the good life and you leave yourself, your family, the community serve, and the, the, the small group of people around you a little bit better than when you found them. And that, and it's simple tools all throughout on those things. And so that's what the book Legendary about. And the fact, I think because it's entertaining, it's fast, it's fun, it's got great stories in it, but it's also like, I, I can't tell you how many emails and letters, dude, I did this one thing, or this, this woman, like I did this one thing with my family and man, my, my husband and I have never been any better. That's why we wrote it. And so it's actionable. It's not just philosophy. You know, you read these great books and you're like, okay, that sounded amazing. What do I do with that? Mm-hmm. This you can actually implement. So that's what I love about it. Now in the book, you mentioned something called your zone of brilliance. <laughs> why don't you allow it sounds cool. Why don't you elaborate on it? <laughs> well, that was the point. We wanted it to sound cool. No, um, <laughs> Um, you know, what's interesting is, especially those of us who really care about whether it's our careers or especially those of us who are owning and running our own business, whether it's a solopreneur or you've built a big business, is we get caught up in the daily 
Um, I'll call it BS because I don't know if this is a, a <laughs> I can cuss, I'll call it the BS. We get caught up in the minutia. We get caught up in the uh, emailing, administration, other people's to-do list. Um, Joe down the hall wants to come have a conversation. I mean, it's just all of this, what I call noise. Mm-hmm. And your zone of brilliance is two things. It's, it's where you, clearly whatever craft you're in, IT, speaking, coaching, sales, administration, whatever, I, whatever. Mm-hmm. You really love that craft and you're super good at it. And if you can get laser, laser focused, whether you're in a career or you're working, if it, this is super important if you own your own company, is if you can spend one to four hours in your craft, that thing that you love doing and that thing that you're really good at doing and work toward outsourcing or God willing, even eliminating the rest, hmm. you know, get other people to do it. I'm telling you from happiness to peace of mind, to productivity, to efficiency, and feeling like, because 30% of our jobs is we hate. We're just going to hate them. Sure. I mean, I've got it in <laughs> mind. But what you don't want it to be is 80% of stuff, you know, filling out reports for report's sake, having meetings for meeting's sake, checking email incessantly. I to hell with that. I've gotten to where I'm now checking email one today. And I'll give you, I am world-class at holding space for other people. Deep listening hearing what's not being said and getting them to be better leadership in business and money and mindset and relationships. And I'm really, really good at it. If I'm not speaking on this podcast or doing that in a public setting or speaking, Mm -hmm. I'm not in my zone of brilliance. And so what I have done is surrounded myself with people who are very good at their zone of brilliances. And that's the reason we've had significant growth. That's the reason we're more happy with what we do than not. And we're not caught up in the daily minutia. It's hard to do. And we have to train others. If you're in a career, we have to train our superiors, our subordinates, and the, our, our, our people around us how, how to treat us. But if you can do it and start small, 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half a day, and you're only working in that craft, I promise you, your results um, your profits, your efficiency, it's all going to be so much better. So that's what I mean by zone of brilliance. It's, but you've got to practice it. It's, it's the, only way, the only way to be confident in it is doing the reps. And so it's about boundaries. It's about saying no. It's about cutting things off. And it's about concentrating. And it's mm-hmm. easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But if you do it, success and happiness will come. So it's sort of like your expertise and passion and then delegating the rest. As much as you can. As much as as you can. And if you start with just 30 minutes, that 30 minutes is going to be powerful. And then you're like, man, I I got that done in 30 minutes. Now let me do an hour. Now let me do 90 minutes. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take the opportunity to let you know about a brand new resource I recently published. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I've created an ebook called Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro that walks you through all the little details of producing and launching your own show. So for less than $5, you can own this resource by visiting storykingbooks.com or amazon.com. Those links will be in the show notes. And now back to today's episode. I want to talk about your idea of building financial confidence. I read somewhere recently that it's like 80% of Americans in debt. Clearly, we're doing something wrong with money. So, what do we have to do to obtain financial confidence? 
Great question. <laughs> um, and the fact that 80% of Americans are in debt tells me that 80% of Americans are living outside of their means to impress someone that they probably don't even care about or to gain status that is meaningless. And here again, I'm a money guy. I come from the money world and money business. So here's the, here's the thing is money is about two things. It's about developing the skills you have to, the first thing you have to do is get out of debt. And there's a whole, we could, we could do mm -hmm. 10 podcasts on that. Um, but there's two things is you've got to have basic financial skills, understanding debt, understanding being on the wrong side of interest, as opposed to the right side of interest, understanding savings for your future, understanding how you can actually live a good life without trying to impress other people. And if you do certain things on the investing side, saving side and other side, you can actually build toward financial confidence. You can actually get that home that you want. You can actually live a good life. But there's a second part. So it's basically skills. And if, if you struggle with money, I'm going to give you the easiest book in the world to help you understand navigating the, the this world, whether it's mm -hmm. leasing or buying a car, whether it's managing credit card debt, whether it's savings or investing. I don't prescribe to this system, but it's the best basic system. I tend to be more aggressive and more on the investment by real estate side. Mm. But this book, it's called Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Total mm. Money Makeover I'm by familiar, Dave Ramsey. familiar, yeah. It's super religious. So if you, that's not your flavor, go with the, go with the, the message, not necessarily the, the religious philosophy in it, because the, the work, the way it's done is genius. If you implement those skills systems and you start understanding the basics of money and finance and how this world works, you will become more stable. Second part, as important is you've got to develop a money mindset. Most of us think that rich people were either born that way or lucky. Um, the born that way, I'm not even going to address because that is luck. But most of those people are a disaster because I work with a lot of them. So don't look up to them. Right. They are a mess. I promise you. I've worked with a lot of legacy families. They are not happy people the, statistically. So let's talk about the people who are self-made. Like the people you look up to in business or the rock star or the basketball star or whatever it is, they work their ass off for that. Right. And over time, they, they worked and it took them a long time. It wasn't an overnight success. Um, it took a long time. It took patience. It took never giving up and it took going forward. So they learned the basic skills or put people in their life to give them those basic skills or they outsourced them. Right. The second thing, though, is they developed a money mindset. And I come from very humble beginnings. My parents thought that rich people were out there. Oh, and they're lucky and we'll never have that. And that's mm -hmm. for them and not us. That's all, that's all scarcity and fear. Right. And if you find yourself blaming politicians or judging rich people or saying that's for them and I'll never have that, well, guess what? You'll never have that. So anything that's wired in us, like the not good enoughs, I'll never have that. Um, I can never do that. You can unwire that. You can totally unwire that. And there's, you know, there's a lot of secrets to a millionaire mind. Uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Tommy mm -hmm. Breed loves Legendary. There's all of these books that help you unwire that negative messaging around money, mm -hmm. around self-worth, around respect, and around that voice inside of your head that says these ridiculously untrue things. Um, there's ways to unwire that. So in order to build financial confidence toward financial freedom, to become a little more stable, you got to build the basic skills. You got to understand it and you got to work the system. 
just as important as you got to work your heart and mind muscles to start believing you are worthy of money, that you can make money and that you can live a life of financial confidence. So there's, there's two and that, I mean, we could do 26 podcasts on all of that right. and, and break it apart, but that is the, that is the truth about money. And remember money is not this unicorn. We've created it. You know, it's just a tool. It's, it's, you know, and if, if you're an ass, money's going to magnify that ass. Right. If you're a really good person, it's going to allow you to make great impact. I don't want people to live poor. I don't want people to live in debt. I want people to live the life of their dreams. And by the way, I'm just telling you, it, having nice stuff is great. I'm, I'm go for it. If you want a nice car, go buy a nice car. I promise you, because I see it time and time again, every single day, it will not buy you happiness. Right. Um, it buys you status for a little bit of time, which we crave status. But let me tell you the thing. The reason you want money is A, to make impact in your family, to live safe. And more importantly, is to experience life to its fullest. You know, go try that restaurant. Go travel to Yosemite. Maybe go check out Europe or South America. Or maybe put your kid in a nice college. That's what money gives you. It gives you freedom and safety. If you go out and start buying Rolexes and Rolls Royces, I promise you, they're not going to make you happy. And I, I just see it statistically every single day. And it's easy for me to say because I see it. But if you've never had it, you're like, well, that's BS because our social media says to have it. Right. Our advertising says you got to have it. And our 24-hour news says if you don't have it, you're a victim. Well, that's, I, all of that's a lie. And so we've got to take, we've got to participate in our rescues and live life to our fullest, experience life to your fullest, chase your dreams, you know, but that money gives you safety and freedom. And that's why it's so important. Yeah. And I, I remember reading, uh, Mo Gadot, if, uh, forgot the name of his book, but he speaks of a time. He used to work for Google. He was a big executive in Google. And he talks about when he finally got like the BMW he wanted and it was the, the model he wanted. And he said he drove off the lot and saw somebody with just a newer model. And he was like, when am I going to make, make enough money to get that one? <laughs> you know? And he said, and that, that started changing him. Cause he's like, this is, it never ends. You know, that mindset never ends. You, there's always something better to chase after. And that's like the unwiring as, as you said, that we kind of have to do. And, uh, it's always a bigger boat, always a bigger always boat. A bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned, uh, Dave Ramsey, my wife and I have been employing one of his methods, the snowball method, of, oh, yeah. For your debt, right? Yeah. for And it really works, but it's counterintuitive because yeah, it he, he talks about like chipping away at the smaller debt with the lower interest before you get to the higher interest. And it's kind of just like, well, that's counterintuitive. But the whole point is to change your mindset. The whole point is to Absolutely. change your spending habits. So, so yeah, it, it works and it, it's been working for us, but it's, you mentioned participate in your own rescue. Like it's not going to happen unless you, you do the work. So that's uh, all good stuff. All right. So I have a question. I have a, a lot of my listeners, they're involved in the arts in some way, whether it be film, books, graphic yeah. design, whatever. So how should the creative person juxtapose their passion and work if their passion is not making them the money they need to sur survive? You know, what's a good perspective to have when you need to work, but your heart is somewhere else? Yeah, it's that's a great question. Um, first of all, I'm envious of all the. I guess on I guess on some level, I'm an artist when it comes to human beings. And I, I wrote something pretty nice, but I had a lot of help because I'm from <laughs> South Side Atlanta, man. My English is not the best in the world. The first of all, I would say, don't give up on chasing that dream. And why are you doing that art? 
are you inspiring people through your writing, through your media, whatever your media is, TV, painting, poetry, um, whatever your medium is, what's your why? And it need, your why needs to be something bigger than you. If you have the F, I do my art because F you, that's probably not the best why, unless you're fighting against something. Mm. Like I want my art to inspire social change. I want my art to help give, put people in nature because they can feel it. You know, it gets in their soul. And so if you make it about the why and know your art isn't doing anyone any good, if you are broke and that it is a business, if you it, music is a business, art is a business, video is a business. If you want to become the next Foo Fighters or Beyonce, if you want to become the next Oprah or the ne- whoever, insert name, like, you know, mm-hmm. Van Gogh, although I, I, I still don't get that one. Um, that, that one's just fascinating to me, you know, who $60 million for a child's painting, but that's right. my opinion. <laughs> my opinion's worthless. There's, there's no wisdom. And that was just an opinion. Um, but at the end of the day, you're, you're, if you don't think it's a business now, again, you know, there is a major percentage of my art, my craft that I don't like doing, but your art won't get into the world unless you sell it. Mm-hmm. The art won't get into the world unless you play the business game. If you navigate the business game, get yourself some business skills because the world needs your art and the world needs more artists. We don't need any more lawyers, bankers, and accountants, man. And we certainly don't need more any damn politicians. We don't need any more of those folks. We need more artists out there because that's what inspires change. That's what inspires. There's a reason your median is in your heart. It's in your soul. It's in your blood. And there's something you're trying to put out in the world or you, and I don't like the word try, that you're putting out into the world that probably a million people want to see. And if it's just a thousand people want to see it, by the way, that is a awesome business. If it's a hundred people who want to see it, that's a great business. Mm-hmm. And so take away the starving artist mentality, take away the holier than thou artist mentality. Oh, they just don't get me. No, mm-hmm. you just a terrible business person. Let's just be honest. <laughs> they might not get you because it's your job for them to get you. You're not above them. You're not, that's pride, man. You're not below them either. Concentrate on why you do the art. Make it not about you, not about your ego, not about your opinions, but about your craft, about your love, about your passion, or what you're fighting against. Being pissed off is just as powerful as trying to solve a problem. But then you've got to understand that there is a business and there is patience. And there, by the way, you've got to work your craft. You want to be a better painter? Guess what you've got to do? Paint and surround yourself with great painters. Mm-hmm. You want to be a badass coach? You've got to go coach but I have a coach. I've had me have coaches. I'm surrounded by coaches. And so you constantly got to work your craft. You got to make it not about you, make it about your why. And you got to understand that if you want to navigate in this system, you got to make it a business and it could be a side hustle for a while until you get it up. You know, maybe you got to go wait tables for a while. Heck, I, I grinded away in factories. And I, when I worked at the factory, I had, a back, I had a back surgery. I had a hernia surgery. It was destroying my body at $6 an hour, but I was working toward the end of something else. Mm-hmm. And so some, if you really believe in your art, you need to sacrifice. You need to make it a business. You need to sell that business, put your ego aside and make it about something bigger than yourself. That's what I would say. That's uh, awesome advice. Yeah. Sort of like, fund your dream. If your if your dream's not making you the money, then look at your work as a, a way to fund that dream. Amen. So 
That's well said, brother. Well said. I got it from Bob Goff. I didn't make that up. So. <laughs> well, Bob, you know, he did pretty well for himself. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> what is that? Love does? One of those. Yeah. 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 He's done. He's done pretty good for himself. Now, I feel like your whole work is about this, but what does it mean to live a life of meaning and balance? I mean, you, you really spoke about, you know, participating in your own rescue and that when you pulled yourself up, it, it was a holistic thing. It sounds like, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm going to do better in this category. Like it sounded like you had to get better as an entire person. And I'm kind of fascinated by that because it sounds like a lot, you know, but so what does it mean to live a life of meaning and balance? Yeah, you've got to you got to start small. You can't come in with a sword because you'll get overwhelmed. You'll stop, and change is hard. Um, you know the great saying. I think Gandhi said it. You know, um, I think, and if I'm attributing this to the wrong person, forgive me. But you know, if you ask people who wants to change, you know, who wants the world to change, everybody raises their hand. Well, who wants to change themselves? You know, maybe two hands go up. There's your issue. And so when I say participate in your own rescue, and what I mean by that is go find the nearest mirror. And that is both your problem and your solution. And that is the truth. There is no politician or other human being or system that's going to save you. It's up to you. It's up to you to look in the mirror. Are, are you not as happy as you want to be? Or are you filled with anger and fear and worry? Are you judgmental? Are you not as financially successful as you want it to be? You're both the problem and the solution. And so you have to start small, but mm -hmm. think big. Start small, but think big. And here, I'm going to tell you some easy ways to do it here in just a second. But you, you personal accountability, that, all right, so I'm going to be careful about not getting on my horse here. Um, our news wants you to feel like a victim. I don't care if it's Fox News, MSNBC, or CNN. They want you to feel victimized. Mm-hmm. And our politicians, left or right, say, you don't have to do anything. I got you. Well, that news media doesn't care about you. They care about advertising. And that politician cares about getting reelected. Some of them care about talk about change. Most of them just want to be reelected. So with that being said, turn all that noise off and start concentrating on you, your happiness, your success. And here's the easiest way. I'm not a big believer. I'm going to say this is how you get to meaning in life. Um, but I'm not a big fan of the word balance. Okay. I, I think life is about prioritization. Um, we need to prioritize and reprioritize because we're never in balance. You know, life happens, families happen, social things happen, work happens. And so it's all about shifting our priorities to what's appropriate and what means the most of us, which is the beginning of meaning. But let me talk about how you can make great change in your life very simply. The first thing I would do, I'm going to ask a question and I'm, ask, I'm not asking you to answer it, John Carla, but every person listening and you, including mm -hmm. me, what is the one thing that if you took it out of your life would increase your happiness or success by 10x? Immediately, you know what it is. So is that a negative person? Is that negative thoughts in your head? Is it a bad habit you have? Is it a skill you need to learn? Or is it something you need to stop doing? The easiest way to make change is to either minimize or stop that thing. Hmm. You need to stop watching eight hours of Netflix in life and maybe turn on a podcast Right. Maybe read a book, maybe start a gratitude practice, maybe go walk in nature, maybe call a friend, uh, maybe learn a new skill, you know, turn it off. But that's hard, right? Because it's easy to do what we've always done. So take away that one negative. And then we've got to add some positivity in our life. So, so the negative is the quick fix. That's the one that makes, you know, we stop doing that negative thing or get that a negative habit or person out of our life. 
And then now we got to add something positive in. And that's where you start small. That's where building the heart, the mind, the soul, and the physical muscles come in. Let me mm -hmm. give you an example. Maybe you just spend five minutes in gratitude every day, thinking about all that you do have. I have a heart that's beating. I'm breathing. I live in a free country. There's a beautiful bird outside. I've got someone who loves me. I've got a dog who hangs out with me. I've got a friend who I can hang. You think about all the things that you do have, which gets rid of that wishing and wanting, wishing and wanting. And it gets you present and it gets you in a space of love as opposed to fear. Five minutes a day of gratitude can have exponential compounding interest in your life and happiness mm -hmm. and success. Or maybe is it, I need to pick up a book and read it. Is it, I need to listen to a podcast every day. Add something positive into your life because our eyes and ears, social media, 24 hours news, Netflix and Amazon, that's mostly poison. Right. It's mostly division. So we're, we're putting poison into our bodies all day long. And we think, why am I so pissed off and angry and fearful? And why do I hate myself in the world? Well, that's because they're telling you to hate yourself in the world. Right. So if we cut all that out, but start adding some good in it, is it going to talk, take a walk in nature? Is it 10 minutes of meditation? Is it starting a meditation practice? Is it journaling? Is it picking up a great book? I know the good one. It's called Legendary. Pick it up, man. It's really simple and fast. Heck, if my Southern accent doesn't bother you, I'll read it to you on Audible. And so is it, what is the one? So you take away a negative and add a positive. And to me, for meaning in life, it's just being a little bit better than you were yesterday. And the final thing I say, and I talk about this in depth in my business, is mm -hmm. this is something I believe in my soul, man. I mean, I down into every DNA molecule, I don't care where you're from, what color you are, what person you love, what you believe in, every single human being on this earth has a purpose. Here's the cool thing, is it changes throughout the seasons of your life. It can never be taken away from you until your last breath. And so we need to go out there and find something bigger than us or something we want to fight against to use our God-given talents and something we enjoy doing to make this world a little bit better place. And so if you want to find meaning in your life, you get starts with yourself. That's not selfish, it's selfless. You must invest in yourself first. You must lead yourself first. You must love yourself first and you must respect yourself first in order to lead, love and respect others. That's the God's honest truth. Hmm. And so it starts with you. Second thing, it starts with your family and your community. And the third thing, it starts with your craft. If you do number one and two right, your craft will flourish. Hmm. And so meaning's about impact. It's about purpose. It's about working on you daily. And it doesn't have to be five hours a day. An hour or less working on your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body, I promise you it will pay compounding. And over time, you're, it's like climbing a mountain. Your view changes. Your language changes. Your energy changes. And most people stand on the ground and wonder why they're so unhappy and miserable and blaming everybody else. Well, once you start seeing that view on the mountain, you start working on yourself. Man, the view changes. Your energy changes. And by the way, you start seeing other people on the mountain. You're like, I want to be around that person. That person lifts me up and makes me better or makes me happy. And these negative Nellies in your life, they start disappearing. But it's totally, it's one thing we're missing in this world right now. And I will preach it to the top of my lungs is personal accountability. You have to participate in your own rescue. That's awesome advice. <laughs> really awesome. I advice. tell I do this for a living, man. <laughs> and I'm, but you know, brother, I'm no guru. I'm no sage right. on the stage. I walk, I, dude, if I don't do exactly what I just told you, this train gets off the tracks and it is a mess. 
you know, I I am put together. I've got duct tape in my heart and super glue in my spine. And, you know, man, I am, I am just a person who 10, 11 years ago said enough is enough. I just want to live with, I want to put my head on it down at night and know, man, I gave it my best today or, man, I led with love today or man, I didn't, I didn't shed opinions today. I, I shared my scars, authenticity and wisdom. And so, I work hard at this. And to this day, I work with coaches. I work with, t- I've got an inner circle. I've got people who will kick me in the face when I get off the track. So it's not only about me holding myself personal accountable, but it's about the people I've surrounded myself who know where I want to go saying, Hey man, you're not honoring what you said. And so, you know, I, that's also very important too. So I'll, I'll, I'll shut up, Giancarlo. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. Personal accountability. I a hundred percent agree. I, I don't feel like I, I agree with the whole victimization. I agree with the whole uh, people have to take personal responsibility for their lives. You know, I'm a big consumer of, of uh, a lot of the books you mentioned and so forth. So I'm there 100%. And I, I think it's a powerful message. I got one more question for you. Oh, you're okay. It's, uh, it's a fun question. It's going to force you to switch gears a little bit. Heck so yeah. you got to kind of put on your creative muscle here. Okay. So here's the question If you could only have one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my God. If I could only have <laughs> one superpower, what would it be and why? I would want to, I'm pretty good at this without being totally good at this. I would want to read people's minds. <laughs> That's an awesome one. <laughs> because then I could, there's a couple of things I could do with that is truly under, put myself in their shoes um, without judgment, truly empathize and compassion with them and also understand the motives of the why they do certain things and how they do certain things and the story they're telling themselves that probably is 90% untrue so that God willing, if someone stood next to them and helped tell them, you know, help rewrite that story because we all tell ourselves these stories that were told to us that are just so not true. I think reading people's minds and it also would be a safety mechanism, right? Like, Hey, this person's about to do something crazy. <laughs> There's some superhero stuff there too, man. Like, Hey officer, this person's about to do something really, really bad. <laughs> and they'd look at you like, how do you know that you're crazy? So, you know, but I, I think it would be reading minds, man. That's very cool. Great answer. And I like how your superpower helps you do your job better. So yeah, I, I yeah, find that totally. interesting. <laughs> Selfishly, it would make me a boatload of money. To, yeah. <laughs> and to buy that boat, which somebody else would buy a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, I mean, if people wanted to reach out to you, if they want to follow you online, even book you for an event, how do they go about doing all that? Totally, man. Uh, let me tell you, we put out, we don't put out any negativity, no no shaming, no, no politics, no all this other stuff. We only put out, you know, business, money, life, love, relationship. We put what we hope is goodness out in this world. So Instagram, it's at Tommy Breedlove. Um, LinkedIn and Facebook, Tommy Breedlove, both of those. Um, website is uh, TommyBreedlove.com. If you're interested in one-on-one coaching or booking me to speak or definitely one of our retreats, conferences, or programs, please reach out to our website, TommyBreedlove.com. But if you just want daily wisdom or what we think is wisdom, some of it comes from me. Most of it comes from somewhere else. Actually, all of it probably comes from somewhere else because I'm just a combination of things that were taught to me. But at Tommy Breedlove on Instagram or Tommy Breedlove on Facebook and LinkedIn. And by the way, if 
the book's done really, really well. It's simple read. It's executable. Um, you can pick that up anywhere. Um, it's in electronic format, audible format, hardcover, softcover, and everything in between. Pick that up at your local bookstore. And, and, and I just am humbled and grateful and uh, really, really hope that everyone you know, take some responsibility in our lives. And, and I, what I truly want is to fight against this victim and cancellation culture and mm-hmm. the media telling us we're bad people because we're not bad people. We're actually amazing, loving people. And we just need to take our lives and our destinies and our minds and hearts into our own hands and, and hold hands together and walk this journey together. And that's what I'm fighting against, brother. And that's my why. I'm there with you. So very powerful message, Tommy. I'm going to make sure your links are in the show notes. And I thank you for sharing your story and coming on the Story King podcast. Giancarlo, so grateful and humbled. Have a great day. So that was my conversation with Tommy Breedlove. All of his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to sign up on storykingbooks.com to get your free copy of Kane's Confession. Remember, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can visit my website or amazon.com and for less than $5, purchase my latest ebook resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the story king. All those links will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or the medium of your choice. And share it with your friends and family on social media. I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. Please join us next time. Until then.